What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over on The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can now listen to on Like the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. He and I are recording this week's show on July 8th, Saturday, 2023. Drew, do you want to tell the nice folks what your Saturday is going to be like? Yeah, I am. Right after I hang up with Jim, I'm going to jump in a car, go to LAX, go to New York uh, for some Mission Impossible stuff in New York, mm-hmm. including us hosting a roundtable with the entire cast and uh, mm-hmm. Mr. McCory, and then uh, turning around and coming back and uh, <laughs> working uh, a full week. So, you know, what I'm saying is enjoy your Netflix time this weekend on my behalf, because I will All not right. be enjoying that. Yeah. Now, you and Katie had been down in Santa Barbara this past week, trying to sort of catching your breath, right? Yeah, yeah, and and keeping the dog out of out of harm's way because apparently mm. L.A. was just an absolute war zone this weekend. So, did you see? This was over on Twitter, but somebody had taken a shot out the window. They were flying into LAX on the night of July Fourth, and it was one of these things where looking out over L.A. There was this sea of fireworks going off. And it's like two solid minutes before they fly over Century Boulevard and land. But it just, you know, they keep getting closer and closer to the fireworks coming up in the air. Yeah. It even decreased the air quality levels of (laughs) the city because there were just so many. Yeah, it was crazy. It was bad. So drones, Jim. Drones will save us all. We can only hope. All right, so again, you were up in Santa Barbara this past week, and I wonder, did you see the Rob Lever story over on Yahoo News with the headline, U.S. Cast News Goes Largely Unchecked? You were supposed to be off the clock last week, but I noticed what was going on on social media midweek when that story bubbled up about win or lose the, what is it? It picks our animation studio's first ever series, original yeah, series. Long, yeah, first ever long form original series. Yes. This is when I learned, Jim, that people don't have a lot of reading comprehension skills. Yeah. You read the article, Jim. It was all about the state of Pixar. And what I said was that there was another show that was very different stylistically, but was supposed to be the original it was another original concept follow-up mm-hmm. to Win or Lose. Mm-hmm. Somehow yep. that was interpreted as Win or Lose is – and I said that this follow-up show was canceled and it might be rejiggered as a movie, which mm-hmm. is all completely true and verified mm-hmm. and, you know. But but for some reason, people pick that up as Win or Lose being canceled. It's like, no, no, no. Win or Lose is coming out in December. I've seen it. Like, it, it mm-hmm. is – it exists. I don't know what mm-hmm. – how else to – articulate this so i had to go on social media and say please retweet and share and i don't know i don't know why i don't know why people read that as as being win or lose being canceled but just the crater story alone the whole notion of a 
A show debuts on Disney Plus and then six weeks later it disappears into the ether. I get that people think this is happening in a lot of different directions, but that was more of a reading comprehension thing. But anyway, if you want to read my great story about the state of Pixar, I think I was much more fair and much more detailed than some of these other pieces. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, before we got started today, I went over to Box Office Mojo. We are now 21 days into Elemental being in theaters. Its domestic growth sits at 99.5. So literally, at some point over the next 24 hours or thereabouts, it'll cross 100 million in North America. Now, if we compare that to Lightyear, at 21 days, they domestically were at 109 million. So Elemental's just a little bit off of Lightyear's pace, but it clearly seems to be hanging in there. I mean, it's not a Super Mario Brothers. It's n never going to do those sorts of numbers. Or Spider-Verse, for that matter. Which Or, or Spider-Verse, yes. Yeah. So anyway, we should talk about Nimona, which debuted on Netflix back on, on Friday, June 30th. And this is, of course, if anybody who's listened to the show knows that it's the animated feature that started off as a Blue Sky Studios production, only have Disney pulled a plug on the project back in February of 2001 when the mouse announced due to pandemic-related issues it would be shuttering that animation studios on April 10th of that same year. And then a year and a day after Disney closed Blue Sky, it was revealed that this animated version of N.D. Stevenson's graphic novel would live on. Uh, this was April 11th, 2002, and Netflix announced that it had partnered with Annapurna Pictures and DNEG Animation to resurrect Nimona. So obviously that effort paid off in a big way. Did you see how it did in regard to Netflix top 10? No. Was it? Did it chart? That's all I wanted. There we go. Uh, for the week of June 6th through July 2nd, what's kind of interesting, it was only available for viewing three days during that period. It landed in the number nine position for that streaming services. And to put this in perspective, the last time an animated feature created exclusively for Netflix debuted in the top 10 on that subscription streaming service December last year. And that was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which debuted in the number two spot. So beyond that, what I, I've been enjoying, you know, the folks on social media who are pointing out the little tributes to Blue Sky Studio that are in Nimona, are, are you aware of these? Or? No, no, tell me. There is a graffitied billboard in Nimona that reads, Blue Sky Never Dies. Aww. And at the very start of the movie, there's an illustrated manuscript, which if you read the text that comes up on screen... It reads, a kingdom blessed by beauty and harmony in equal measure, verily did its people live in the embrace of blue skies, tilling the good earth, harvesting the bounties of their animated labors. And then if you drill down into the end credits of Nimona, the blue sky name pops up. But what's kind of cool is next to the name is this tiny little fox holding a camera, which, of course, references Fox Studios, which used to be the home of this thing. Oh. Did you watch it, by the way? Did you see Nimona? Uh, yes, I, I <laughs> enjoyed it like crazy. Having so enjoyed the graphic novel, and it's not a word-for-word, -word, beat for beat take on the graphic novel, but it does lift whole chunks out of it and 
just the, the way that Nemotican shapeshift, the animators clearly had a ball. And it, it's a sweet story. It's a gen, you know, uh, you know, nice mix of futurism meets medievalism, and there's a it's very sweet romance at the center of it. I mean, it, it, it's seriously, folks, you haven't seen it. Go out of your way to check this thing out. Yeah. And I might say the same thing about Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, because it's like you had shared that the initial box office projection for this uh, Universal DreamWorks animation release, they were talking single digits, but they were talking high single digits, like eight or nine, right? Yeah. So were you shocked when the actual number came in? What was the actual? I don't know if I even saw the actual number. What was it? Was it six? 5.2. That's the lowest all-time opening for a DreamWorks animation production ever. The previous record holder had been Spirit Untamed in, in 2001, which only sold 6.1 million worth of tickets in North America over its release. And that sort of headed for home and kind of got a, a theatrical release just to you know, help boost the home entertainment numbers. Well, that one was also not animated by DreamWorks. It was animated by a outside studio, a vendor, if you will. Excellent point. And this was a full-on DreamWorks yeah. movie. I mean, I really liked it. Did you see it? It's it's a I lot did. of fun. I did. What's maddening about this for me, Drew, is anyone who's actually seen this Kirk D'Amico movie in theaters had to be thoroughly charmed by the thing because... It has an A minus cinema score, likewise an 82 audience score over Rotten Tomatoes. And I think you really should see this in theaters. But at the same time, given that it's already been revealed that this film is being released digitally on Amazon Video and iTunes on, on July 18th, I just wonder how many people are going to bother. And what do you think happened here? Was, was it just a mistake to go with the counter-programming idea to put this out in theaters after The Little Mermaid? Well, I mean, remember, we didn't even know this movie existed. I mean, you and I knew it existed, but but the general public did not know it existed until, like, mm -hmm. March or April. Mm -hmm. And I understand how crowded everything is, and I understand the need for a shorter, you know, runway, but mm -hmm. it's an original IP. I feel like you needed a little bit more... You needed to ease people into the concept a little bit more instead of mm -hmm. just saying, it's Ruby Gilman, you know, she's a Kraken. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know why they chose that route. And I think, you know, once it's on Peacock and once it mm -hmm. is available for purchase, that it's going to do way better. But even it being introduced on home video is interesting because it's coming out the same day that The Flash is coming out digitally. So Aww. it could just be completely obscured by everything. So I, I don't know. Kirk and everybody who worked on this sweet little movie deserves better. Oh, by the way, I also wanted to let you know I followed your instructions. I went to Best Buy. In fact, I was there Monday morning at 10 a.m. when they opened the doors and walked over to the Blu-ray shelf and sure enough, got my steel box of Strange World. Ah, there we go. Given that things like Crater are happening, there I'm seriously thinking, do I have to buy a copy of Super Mario Brothers? Because that's not going to go away, right? No. Well, as, as our friend Guillermo del Toro recently said on Twitter... Purchasing mm -hmm. physical media in the age of streaming is a moral imperative. So this is my excuse, Jim, when I spend 
too much during the <laughs> the biannual Criterion Collection sale at Barnes and Noble. You know that's wow. Oh, you know, I love. Oh, thank you. All right, I'm I, I'm trotting that out to Nancy. All yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah. not being wasteful. It's a moral imperative. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Carmo. All right. Also, on last week's show, we were talking about all the live action movies that Disney has in the works or has already made that reimagines the studio's animated features. But we neglected it. We were talking about the stuff that's coming up to talk about Hercules. Guy Ritchie, who will be directing this live action uh, reimagining of Hercules, and uh, which was a Ron and John movie. And, you know, he also directed a live action version of Aladdin, which was also a Ron and John movie. And I remember your description la- last week of, of the, the live action of Aladdin, which is kind of... Eh? Yeah. Did we really need this movie? Well, you if know. we have a Guy Ritchie Aladdin movie, make it a Guy Ritchie Aladdin movie. I want to see, you know, criminals and the whole underworld. And no, mm-hmm. it was just uh, less imaginatively staged musical numbers that were clearly filmed on a back lot. That is all that we got. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with Hercules, he'll go out in the world, Jim, and find some good locations. We can only hope. Well, speaking of which, though, Ritchie said recently, that he hoped to have the live-action version of Disney's Hercules before the cameras within the next year. Joe and Anthony Russo, who wrote and directed Captain America the Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame, are producing Disney's live-action version of Hercules. And the current screenwriter of this project, Dave Callahan, wrote Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, likewise uh, worked on the screenplay for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. So and beyond the F- Spider-Verse, he's back. He's a, oh, he, Dave well, is a go. Dave is a really mm. great guy. Well, no, that's great to hear, but so I I have to assume given those folks are are in the mix here that the live action reimagining of, of Disney's Hercules is going to be something akin to a, a Marvel movie. And given that, you know, for example, James Earl Jones came back and voiced Mufasa for the live-action Lion King, the, the question has come up, well, is anybody going to come back from the animated Hercules in 97 to take part in this live-action reimagining? And what's funny is Danny DeVito... In fact, did you see that they had the cast at Disneyland doing a bit of the press day for the new uh, Haunted Mansion? Oh, yes, I did see that. The The premiere is actually going to be there next Saturday. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did are I get go, invited? I did not. But, you know, what? I will be <laughs> I will be what? looking well, on Disney, wistfully. This drops on Tuesday. You have time. I do have time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Disney has time to correct their mistake. Yes. So, yeah. But what's interesting is Danny DeVito got asked while he was doing press for Hunter Mansion about the live action Hercules. And how did he feel about someone else playing his role? And it's like, here's what Danny said. That, Let somebody else play Philokides? Are you kidding me? If Disney doesn't put me in their live action Hercules, they don't have a hair on their ass. He is one of the best parts of Dumbo. I will say that. The new Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people don't like that movie, but for me, just that moment in it where Danny is at his desk, opens the desk, and there's a monkey in, in the drawer, and, you know, it's like, do you have a monkey in your drawer? And his, his response, what is it, strictly for medicinal purposes or, or, you know, something to that effect? It was just, you know, sometimes you let a movie off just for one line, and that was it for me. We love Danny. He's, he was part of the... Uh... The Eisner mm-hmm. cast of characters. That's true. That's true. I mean, 
have you circled around to Tin Man lately? I mean, I know you you've been sort of no. I love I love Tin Man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that was the mea culpa for them saying, "Oh wait, we really should have stuck with the green light for Rain Man that we let go." Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. But no, I mean, he, he was in that. He was in Ruthless People. He was in, you he know. He was. He was in a lot of those no. touchstone movies. He was. He was. He was definitely in the mix during that period. Oh, oh, oh. Just so you know, folks, there were other people who played Philokides for Disney since Danny voiced the character again for the animated feature in 97. We had veteran character actor Robert Costanzo. He voiced Phil for Disney's Hercules the Animated Series. Whereas James Monroe Engelhart, who won the Tony for his performance as the genie in the stage version of Aladdin, he played Phil not only in the world premiere of the stage version of Hercules, which we talked about uh, Central Central Park in 2019, but he also appeared in the follow-up stage production, which was on the Paper Mill Playhouse earlier this year. And that project lives on, but the very next production, kind of a counterintuitive move. Uh, March 3rd, 2024, the next production of the Disney stage version of Hercules debuts at the theater New Floro in Hamburg, Germany. Oh, we're getting good. We're getting big hunchback vibes from this. No, there we go. There we go. That's it. Exactly. It turns out that in Germany, I mean, the short lived Tarzan from Broadway ran for a number of years. And and likewise, as, as Drew just mentioned. Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, the production debuted there and was hugely popular. So going to be interesting to see what what happens with Hercules over there. So it was never on Broadway, right? We talked about Hunchback? No, uh, Hercules. No, no, not yet. In fact, the theory was Paper Mill Playhouse is where the stage version of Newsies debuted. And remember, Disney only mounted a stage version of Newsies because there were so many high schools and colleges putting on ripoff productions that and Disney couldn't go after them because, well, we don't have a production. You know, we can't tell them to stop doing it because there, there isn't one. So they finally wrote, wrote one, staged it at the Paper Mill Playhouse, figuring it, it's a throwaway, but it was so hugely popular they said, okay, we're going to take this to Broadway for 10 weeks. And then that 10 weeks turned into damn near two years. And now that's you know the show that's being done in junior highs around the world. <laughs> that was that's that Broadway show was was great. I don't know if did you see it on Broadway. It was really something. I did, I did. You know, in fact, Nate said I saw it at its opening, and we actually they invited us back to see the very last production. It was a Sunday matinee, and it was the first time I I had never seen the moment when a show ends. I mean, literally, when a production of a show ends. When they walked on stage and they plugged in the ghost light, you know, it's as in this show is over. You know, this theater is now empty and this is what we do. And it was like, oh, how cool to, to, to see an actual theater tradition in action there. You killed another play, Jim. You killed another play. Well, <laughs> well me and, and, and John Willicks Booth. Um, <laughs> anyway, Drew has to get to the airport soon. So we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's up animation-wise at this year's Comic-Con International in San Diego. Quick question, Drew. I realize your schedule is crazy this year, but do you see yourself going down to Comic-Con this year, even for a day or so? Or No, I don't think so. Comic-Con is pretty terrible, Jim. I don't know if 
<laughs> have you been recently? But it's a lot. In my advanced age as well, I am just it is just exhausting. And when all of the movies pulled out, I said, you know what, I don't need to go. Although I, as we will talk about, there are a number mm. of lovely animation things going on. In Absolutely. fact, yep. I would say the reason to go this year would be to go for the animation stuff and also to buy mm. me some things from vendors that I <laughs> deeply want. So you know how to get in touch with me. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, definitely, definitely. Now, as you mentioned, if somebody goes down, there is a crazy amount of animation stuff. And we're going to talk about two days of it. Cause I think the other thing that is just flat out frustrating about Comic-Con is you, you have to, you know, whether you're applying for press credentials or buying passes thing, you have to commit months and months and months in advance. And you don't know. In fact, for example, Drew and I are sitting here right now. We only have the programming for Thursday and Friday at this year's Comic-Con because they have this tradition of the programming only gets dropped two weeks out from the show. So whatever's happening on Saturday will get revealed today. Whatever is scheduled for Sunday will get reviewed tomorrow. And for those of us who are 3,000 miles away and having to make that drive down from L.A. and also given the cost of hotel rooms and that sort of thing, I mean, you have a huge commitment as well, both financially and time-wise. And why is it? that they do this why did they well i mean this year you know saturday nights were usually earmarked the big marquee hall h attraction mm-hmm. was the the marvel studios presentation which yep. is not mm-hmm. happening anymore and i and i have heard there are some other studios that are kind of jostling maybe for that mm-hmm. spot i don't know if i can say who yet oh. but you'll know it if they commit and so i think that it's just like this year is just in complete disarray okay. but there are still some great animation stuff that we can talk about. Um, All right. Well, let's get to it then. All right. So Thursday for animation, things get underway at 11 a.m. This is going to be in Ballroom 20, but we have Max talking about its original animation presentations. and The ones they haven't canceled yet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, this, this is true. On the other hand, you have to be happy for your old schoolmate. I mean, they, the Adventure Time, Fiona, and Cake is still being talked up. And more to the point, uh, Matthew Cherry, who did that wonderful Oscar-winning short, Hair Love, uh, they're going to be showcasing the series that's based on that young love. And then, you know, a tease for the fourth season of Harley Quinn. So, so that'll be worth checking out. Now, speaking of Hall H, uh, 1130 to 1230, we have a project that you've been quite enthusiastic about, Drew, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So they're going to have a panel discussion and show some footage there. Why am I not hosting this, Jim? I don't know. But it, it, yeah, it, you ha- if you're there and you can get to Hall H, mm-hmm. this movie is so good. I, I know people mm-hmm. are going to be tired of me singing its praises, but it is just the best. I love it so much. So I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll be a wonderful panel given the people that are involved behind the scenes and, you know, as the voice cast so all right can't wait can't wait okay then 5 45 p.m that day now we're in hall room or ballroom 20 it's a celebration of the 14th and so they say final season of archer given what's happening with futurama in like what a week to 10 days i you know just the whole notion yeah final series of an or final season of an animated series absolutely sure But still, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. The voice cast is going to be there, the creatives. And then that same night, over in room 
6BCF, we have the world premiere of the Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. And this will be followed by a, a panel with the filmmakers, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. People always dream of having their movie premiere in a in the ballroom of a convention center, Jim. I mean, it's really, it's every oh, filmmaker's dream. I understand what you're saying. It will be available on digital the next day. We should stress that. So if you miss okay. it there, it's on digital on Friday and then on Blu-ray on Tuesday. So don't have too much FOMO, Jim, is all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, on February, July 21st, if you're an animation fan, you may seriously want to consider camping out in the Indigo Ballroom, which if... That's Har the Harborside Hilton, isn't it? It's across the yeah, street. Yeah, there's, there's the been a lot of fun animation things mm -hmm. in that room over the years. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, but listen to this lineup. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., it's the Tiny Toons Lunaversity, the revival of Tiny Toons. 11 a.m., it's a panel about My Adventures with Superman, which just debuted on Adult Swim this past week. Then from 1 to 2, it's Metalopolis, Army of the Doomstar. From 2 to 3, we have a Rick and Morty, a 10th anniversary celebration. From 3 to 4, we have Solar Opposites. Starting at 4, we have the Great North. And then at 5 o'clock, we have Bob's Burgers, all in the same room, the Indigo Ballroom. So, I mean, you could, you could have an amazing animation-related time and never leave one ballroom that day. Yeah, do, do we think that we're going to know who is the new voice, the voice cast of Rick and Morty? Do you think they're going to announce that during this day? you got to wonder about that. How do you do a 10th anniversary celebration and then walk that out? Well, Justin's not going to be there, so, you know. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Okay, continuing animation-related stuff, 5.45 p.m. This is going to be over in the, uh, again, we're back in room 6BCF, but this is uh, Invincible, uh, the Robert Kirkman project, and this is a, the new hit animated series for Prime Video. You know, anyone who's been watching this thing knows it's about the 18-year-old Mark Grayson whose dad is or, or was the most powerful uh, superhuman on the planet. So it's got an amazing voice cast. And, and again, it being uh, Robert Kirkman, <laughs> it can get a little grim. It can get a little bloody. Yeah. And yeah. then to finish up, this is going to be on Friday, Justice League War World will have its pr world premiere 9 o'clock on Friday, July 21st in Ballroom 20. And again, this is, you know, Warner Brothers animation, especially their home premieres, they made kind of a tradition of doing this sort of thing, bringing films down there. Yeah, sometimes like, uh, you know, months in advance, you'll see something. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. 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 Also, last week, Drew and I were, were being very enthusiastic about the Babylon 5 animated project, The Road Home. It turns out it will be having its world premiere on Saturday, July 22nd. This is going to be at 6.30 p.m., folks. Uh, and, but again, we're back in room 6BCF. And afterwards, there's going to be a panel with uh, series creator J. Michael Straskinski. But attending this, we, we didn't get into specifics last week. But, um, you know, uh, returning original series cast members, 
Bruce Boxleitner, Claudia Christensen, Tracy Scoggins, and Patricia Tallinn are going to be there and talking about coming back to voice the characters that they did, dear Lord, in the mid-90s. Well, this is also, Jim, you did not even take into account, did you see this Adult Swim Festival on the Green? This multi-day free, which is now sold out, but, you know, make mm-hmm. some calls, events yep. um, that has meet and greets and screenings. And the thing that I was most excited about was that on Saturday, July 22nd, at mm-hmm. 6.15, they're doing the Gendy Tartakovsky Musical Experience where they're playing selections from Primal as well as Unicorn Warriors Eternal. And I'm assuming some older stuff, and it's going to be this amazing kind of symphonic presentation outside. And, yeah, it it just looks really – it looks really cool. Okay. Now, I apologize because it's been a couple of years now since I've been to San Diego, and it used to be they would occupy a space – Remember that bridge that goes over the train tracks from from one yes. of the you know, from, but more recently they moved this to the lawn between the Hilton and the convention center. Did they say where this is going to be held? Yeah, it's or? it's on that green. It's it's next to okay. the Bayfront Park, so mm-hmm. it is across from the convention center against the water. So it's a great spot. It's a great lineup. Look up the whole thing. There's, you know, Eric Andre is going to be there, and and they're doing oh, a, wow. you know, okay, a a no. whatever the Smiling Friends Rodeo and Live Draw is, uh, probably <laughs> is something worth um, worth oh. going to. But they're going to screen the Venture Brothers movie there also and do a meet and greet, and so there's a lot oh. of stuff happening. Well, no, no, check that out. I mean, I always love. Just for the kinetics, you know, I mean, typically they'll come there with giant inflatables or that sort of thing. They always do a great job of sort of filling the space, and it just adds to the fun of sort of being on the Comic-Con campus. Yes, yeah, it's really... So, again, the most exciting stuff is mm-hmm. animation-related, and I would put this whole Adult Swim thing in that same camp. Absolutely. And like I said, folks, I apologize that we don't have the... Sunday and Saturday info yet, but we'll have that for next week's show. And speaking of sort of extending the fun, if you're a person who's been smart enough to go out and get an advance ticket for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which, by the way, opens in theaters the day after this podcast goes live online, which is Wednesday, July 12th, what's been kind of cool is at some theaters when you buy that advanced ticket, they also hand you a flyer. They do. This flyer actually promotes the Light Diffuse, the official Missing Impossible podcast. And, and what I love about this is that it comes with a QR code to take you directly to the show. Yes, I hope you see that QR code elsewhere because it's a very easy way to get you mm-hmm. to the show. Yeah, I mean, this episode of Fine Tuning Mm -hmm. will actually be out the same day that the first episode of Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is out. That is so cool. Not a a big episode, Jim, just, you know, Tom Cruise and Christopher McCormick. I I mean, whatever. I I don't want to toot my own horn, but, you know. Okay. No, but... Did you know this this QR code thing was in the works? Or, yeah, um... yeah. They had told us about this, and we were really excited about it. I think that's going to be up on Paramount+. Plus, and mm-hmm. I think actually on this same day, if you're in Times Square, look at the billboards oh, no. there. You might see a little uh, Light the Fuse action oh. in Times Square. So, oh, yeah. that is so cool. You going by there tonight? or? 
No, I think it's I think it's only on Tuesday. So I I I, I hope someone will be there with a video camera. That's all I can say. But yeah, please, folks, as a favor, if any of our listeners are are in New York City that day, and if you happen to be in Times Square and see this, can you uh, grab an image? Can you get some video? Yes, look and I would love yeah. to see that. There we go. Yes. And by the way, just a quick question. How many theaters is Bishop Possible supposedly dropping in? I don't know, actually, but I will encourage people to see it in whatever, like, premium format you can. Okay. Dolby, IMAX, uh, Atmos, mm. 4DX, Jim. I know you love your seats to rumble. Um, oh, there we go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Screen X, which actually mm. has some really cool extra stuff. Oh. Have you ever done that, Jim, the Screen X thing? Is that the one where they show stuff on either of the, the walls to, to yes. your left and your right? Yeah. 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 I, I'm always intrigued. You know, the poor cinematographer is like, I'm just trying to get the stuff <laughs> focused, you know, get the shot that they want. Oh, you want stuff to the sides as well. Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's make my job so much easier. Yeah, you know. with Top Gun, they, since they use that array of cameras inside the cockpit, you actually got like 64% more footage than you oh. would anywhere else. It oh. was pretty neat. Uh, there's a location in Koreatown and then one in Santa Clarita. So mm-hmm. I'll be going to all of them, Jim. I'll be, you'll just see me outside the theaters uh, in the next couple of okay. weeks. Trying to, trying to get through every format possible. But yeah. Oh, that is so cool. All right. And just a reminder, folks, seriously, if you're not, if you haven't already been listening to, to Light the Fuse, now that it's the official Mission Impossible podcast, things are, Definitely going to be stepping up. In fact, when is the? Do we know when the light the ooze related episodes are going to start? We don't know that yet. It'll be closer to Ninja Turtles release. Yeah, we're we're trying to get some more people to get in get into the ooze with us. Okay, we'll we'll talk further about that later fine tunings. But anyway, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, uh, fine-tuning, but also Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, that would be cool. I want to remind you, we have a couple other podcasts here you might want to listen to. Uh, we, of course, have Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We also have Marvelous Disney that I do with Aaron Adams, who, by the way, has a show of his own worth, uh, definitely worth checking out. 32nd Street, uh, which is about advertising and the ways they trick us to to wanting to buy products. And I will be recording a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm tomorrow where we talk about how Dial of Destiny didn't quite move the needle. That's all coming. Oh, I, I, I have to ask, given what's going on with threads this week, did you did you get set up over there? Oh, yeah, or I'm on threads, you Jim. Did you are you on threads? <laughs> I well, Nancy, we were talking about it in the car last night, and I think because it's tied to Instagram, I think she was in the process of getting that going. But I guess I was a little concerned about evidently there's there's language in there to the effect if you decide to leave threads, you have to uh, shut down your Instagram account. It's it's not an either yeah. or. Yeah, it's know, uh, that part is iffy. Yeah. I've done one post on threads, but it seems like a lovely alternative, quite frankly. Okay. And I'm on Blue Sky too. It's all it's all Drew tailored uh, wherever you want to find okay. me. So, okay. Well, yeah. I'm I'm still on Twitter. I don't know for how much longer, but I am on Instagram as Evil Media and also on on Facebook. One final note again: if you, you like what you heard here today and you want to be supportive, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool. 
And I think that will do it because Drew's got to go to the airport. So let me shut up and we'll be back with a brand new show next week. But thanks for listening.